Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. Tired of your tentmate's flashlights shining in your eyes in camp? Bring an empty half-gallon milk jug or clear water bottle. Simply strap a headlamp around it, and it becomes a soft white lantern for everyone to see the light. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com slash L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. Write that. Write that down, Fumi Saito. Hello from Burbank, California. Welcome back. This is Write That Down Rewind. Special edition for you this week. So this is when, when Fumi Saito and I talked about Shitenno, all Japan's big four of the 1990s. Mitsuharu Misawa, Toshiaki Kawada, Kento Kobashi, Akira Tawe. We talk about what this name means, where it came from, and how it's gotten itself into today's pro wrestling vernacular lexicon. I like that. All right. Before we get into this, I would like to highly recommend subscribing to the Fight Game Media Patreon for lots of premium Fight Game Media content. All kinds of shows that are not on the free feed that you are most likely subscribed to, that I hope you're subscribed to. The Patreon, five bucks a month. You get the AEW podcast, Jeff Hawkins, Paul Fontaine. You get pound for pound boxing stuff with Robert Silva in the clinch with Paul Fontaine, Ryan Frederick, all kinds of good stuff. Check it out. Fight Game Media Patreon. Patreon.com backslash Fight Game Media. Or you can find it in the app, Patreon app. Check it out. Much appreciated. All right, let's rewind. Let's get back to it. Right Tendo, right the big four. All Japan Pro Wrestling. In the 1990s. All right, patrons, welcome back. It's Write That Down. I'm Justin Nipper, Wrestling Observer Online, Fight Game Media Online, and I'm here back from Tokyo with Fumi Saito. Fumi, how are you doing? Hello from Tokyo. Mm, hello Good. from Los Angeles. <laughs> yep. Okay, so today we're talking about a certain phenomenon that we yeah. talked about last time. Um, we're talking about uh, all Japan. Yeah. 
Four Pillars is the pretty much established name now, huh? Seems like it. Seems like it. So, could you explain? I guess where. Well, we're talking about a specific four wrestlers from a specific time period in all Japan. Yeah, Mitsuharu Misawa, Kenta Kobashi, Toshiaki Kawada, and Akira Taue. Those four. Mm. All Japan's 90s superstars. Mm. And they defined the 1990s All Japan Pro Wrestling, this company. And Japanese style that went to West. And Very uh, much the, so. Yeah, video traders, they go, wow, that's a... Did you see that Japanese match? Mm. That automatically meant some some match from Misawa or Kobashi or Kawada, you know? Yeah. So they, they are Shiten, Shitenno. Shitenno. So, okay, so this Shitenno um, word or phrase yeah. is, it's easy to misinterpret or mistranslate, right? Yeah, what, what happens is that, like I said, you know, there's the four pillar name is already established and that's fine with me but the completely messed up <laughs> not really but the, you know it's that it's not i don't want to sound cliche but uh, it's uh, something was really lasting translation really very google translate um yeah there's no context without uh, you need the full context to kind of understand all right Shtenno, the word Shtenno is actually a big four or top four or four deities you know it's a originally buddhist term and for us, Shtenno is pretty much not everyday language, but language, but everybody knows this term, Shtenno. And I believe that uh, when they did the Google translation, Shtenno is made of three kanjis, you know. Then I believe they translated the Shi for ten heaven, no, like a king, you know. And the it's a one word with three kanjis, but they individually translated three kanjis. She and ten and no separately and kind of put it together, is what that's what happened, I think. But in everyday Japanese, it, it would be more like you're talking to somebody or talking to people. Yeah, Shtenno is like your the you big know, Mount, four Mount Rushmore, yeah. Mount Rushmore face, yeah, yeah. You know, when we say Mount Rushmore of uh, you know WWE, we don't actually think Steve Austin and The Rock are are mountains or statues or. or their faces it's, are it's in, an expression it's an expression just an expression yeah yeah so shtenno also is that way not resting term like some people believe shtenno is this this is this uh what's a four pillar of heaven mm. the four, four pillars of heaven yeah uh, the term was only used for those four wrestlers wrong <laughs> shtenno is pretty much everyday language everyday term almost yeah, you, cliche you could have like a baseball shtenno yeah, like a four big bad home run guys or something. Mm, sure. Yeah, yeah. Or four best pitchers or something. Or the, the four four big politicians from the same party or something. Sure. Yeah, it, it's yeah. A, a common, a pretty simple idea, but it has it's kind of a dressed up word because it came from, uh, you know, it came from it's Chinese Buddhist Buddhism. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it, yeah. It, there's no there's no real spiritual uh, like feeling behind it when people say. Oh it no, these no, days. just three musketeer idea came first in like an early. Uh, late 80s into early 90s, they that the th three guys we talked about last episode, mm -hmm. Keiji Muto, Shinya Hashimoto, and Masa Chono. Yeah, got three guys, three musketeer right away, right? Mm. And now Misawa, Kawada, Kobashi, and Tawa, it's a four, so it must be Shtenno. Yeah. Yeah. So the captain of the Shtenno team, we can say, is we have to say it's Misawa, yeah? Yeah, of course. Of course. So he and uh, he's a locker room leader, I mean, our leader, and uh, 
and uh, pretty much spiritual leader too, you know, and just Misawa is so special. Yeah, the, in ring, they were equal almost, you know, uh, ability and the, the way they put together matches and uh, pretty much the positions, you know, pretty equal. But uh, Misawa, yeah, Misawa is a top guy, of course. Mm, and especially kind of after he beat Jumbo. Jumbo and, uh, yeah, and the torturous hand, you know, yeah. Mm. They, the right at the beginning handed. of the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, so see, all through New, uh, the old Japan Pro Wrestling's history, back, you know, traced back to 1972, Giant Baba started, you know. Mm. Then in the 80s, it was, you know, not really handed, but the, the top position was, you know, switched from aged Giant Baba to Jumbo Truda. And Jumbo had a tag team partner, Genichiro Tenru. And in late 80s, in American term, Tenru turned heel on Jumbo. And those two became top two stars, babyface and, and heel in American you know, term. And those are the two tops, Tenru and Jumbo. Mm. Then the four guys took over in the 80s. Yeah. Mm. It felt like there was a less of a connection to Baba at that point. Because Jumbo yeah, and Tenru... Baba, yeah, of course, direct connection. Oh, that's a generation too, you know? Sure. But, yeah, generation, uh, I think. It's more clear by the 90s. Yeah. And yeah, because Baba was aged. Not retired, but the John Baba positioned himself in, in a six-man tag team match every night, in every show of the year, right before the intermission. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And John ba- and everybody knows that the John, uh, John Baba was the boss and the owner and promoter and, and the producer, everything, you know. That's the founder of the company. But uh, it's a sport. So you, your top guy in the ring was Jumbo and Tenru at the time. And uh, that goes, goes age too, like, uh, into 80s, in late 80s, into early 90s. Then Tenru left for SWS, and Jumbo got sick too. And uh, the, the, the torch was handed to Misawa. Then the single match happened, you know, that the somewhat aged Jumbo Tsuru still on top. Misawa had to beat him in single match, which was very epic. Yeah. And uh, it's wrestling, it's a, but it's still sport that you really have to have the match, you know, for people to believe that, uh, yes, it's Misawa's, you know, time. Yeah, something has to happen. Something has to change. Yeah. And, they want and to the see match it. was really good. Yeah. And uh, everybody believed, wow, this is Misawa's time. Yes. And also right before that, he gave up his tiger mask, mask and costume and he came out. I didn't, you know, I didn't find himself right. Everybody knew, everybody knew, but uh, Misawa's, his days, he's not going to need Tiger Mask costume, you know. This time, it's going to be Misawa himself. Yeah. Mm. So he's had two distinguished career or something. And I guess the, when you think of if there's a number two, you, you, you can always, you know, have your arguments over, but I think because of the connection to Misawa, it has to be Toshiaki Kawada because of their, right, right. their own relationship. Yeah, and then they their went, own connection. Know, they went to yeah high school wrestling team, and uh, they were roommates. Misawa year older, and uh, Kawada year younger. But uh, yeah, uh, they were best friends. And that uh, Kawada right out of high school, Misawa went into all Japan, right? 
And Kawada wanted to actually wanted to go to New Japan Pro Wrestling, and Misawa told him, "No, you come to All Japan." You know, and uh, a useless trivia. I I would say it's a. Uh, Misawa graduated from high school in 1981. That means Kawada graduated from high school '82. Then, in national amateur wrestling tournament final, it was between Kawada against Keiichi Yamada. Later on, he becomes Liger. You know, and Kawada beat Liger for the high school tournament. You know, final. Isn't that interesting? That's yeah. That's always been kind of the uh, the legend. I've always heard the story, but I, I wonder if there's any VHS footage out there that somebody can bring up and we can. Oh, see probably something. not. Who's probably gonna, not. Yeah. Yeah. People don't videotape your high school wrestling championship. Yeah, and I mean, it's your family, you know, or your, your or maybe home, handheld home video that maybe high school friends maybe. might have might have taped it. I don't know, but they at the time in back in 1982. We didn't know they were going to be legend, you know? And I don't think amateur wrestling was, it's still not as popular as other sports in Japan. It, you know, it just well, doesn't not, have not every, not, not every high school offered the pro, you know, program. Right. Yeah, right. the reason Misawa Kawada both went to Ashikaga uh, Kogyo High School was that they had good wrestling team, you know? Yeah. Was uh, Hiroshi Hase involved at this time in the high school or college wrestling scene in the uh, early 80s before he went to actually, New Japan? he was already in college. Yeah. Okay. So he was a little Hiroshi, older. Hiroshi Hase is two years older than Misawa. Uh, one year older than Misawa and two years older than, than, than Kawada. Okay. And he was in Senshu University. Yeah. So yeah. He, he was a little ahead of the, a little bit of a different generation still. Yeah, and then uh, he had an amateur career, and he Hiroshi Hase made it to 1984 LA Olympic, Greco. Yeah, he aimed for Greco because freestyle is too too big of a competition, right? Because everybody does uh, freestyle, but not many high school or college team. Uh, well, it's, uh, most guys go for go do the freestyle, and then less people, you know, went went for Greco. A lot of people did both, but uh, Hiroshi Hase himself aimed on, you know, for Olympic. When I was senior in you know, college, I'm going to Olympic. And then, then he aimed for Greco and he won the tournament. You know, he kind of calculated. Very smart. Yeah. So Kawada had that same kind of background, that same amateur, that gritty amateur experience coming into pro wrestling. Not yeah. New Japan like he wanted to, but he came along with his buddy Misawa. And yeah, he can, he also sort of came up as a, like a junior at first, right? At junior the time, it's, it's like weird because now these guys are all heavyweight. But uh, at the time, all Japan's junior heavyweight was like your Masafuchi size. You know what I mean? Right. That guy's are, that guy's really heavyweight, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what? Today's wrestlers, even. People like Tana, you know, Hiroshi Tanahashi or Naito or Evo, New Japan guys, mm. they could be considered junior heavyweight if they came out in, you know, late seventies into eighties. Different body yeah, sizes. Was a, yeah, the wrestlers were somewhat bigger than you see. You see Jumbo, right? Jumbo Tsuruda, the Tenru. Mm. Or Inoki or Sakaguchi or, you know, Sakaguchi younger... was huge. Oh, huge. Yeah. 
younger Choshu. Uh, Muto and, is quite you know heavyweight. Yeah, Muto was big because tall he, guy. And also he he was he had the size, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the, today's you know Tanahashi or you know Naito or Evo or, or what about um, Okada, Noah? Yeah. Noah's Pro wrestling, um, giant barbers of old Japan traditionally took big guys, big size guys, heavyweight, heavyweights, heavy, heavy. Because of Baba and Jumbo, and the Baba almost resented somebody who was smaller size. You know, wrestler has to be a a foot taller than uh, most guys coming out of the you know the, the carton. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to be like a neck taller than uh, normal people. That's what the philosophy was. Oh, guys all the like, guys, uh, Bruiser Barodi, Stan Hansen were yeah, the same yeah, kind of build. All these, yeah, think about it. even older guys like uh, Dory Funk, Terry Funk, Harley Race. They were big people. Mm. Football you know, players. Yeah, or even Nick Bockwinkle. I mean, bigger than most most today's wrestler. You know. They were, you know, above average size. They weren't, they weren't everyday size people, and they, that's, they yeah, worked that's to how be larger Giant than Baba life. looks at the business. Yes, mm. yeah. So they, they were hesitant to take on, you know, like a smaller guys, you know, and uh, maybe if Jumbo's era lasted a little longer, that the Kawada could have been like smaller guy, you know, or the considered not junior heavyweight, like it's the. For instance, Atsushi Onita was junior heavyweight when he worked for All Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you have your own show, you become your main guy. Uh, that's, that size of the body didn't really matter, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, Misawa has good, good size, okay? And Kobashi, great size. And Akira Taue, former sumo wrestler, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're all big guys. Yeah, Kawada was like, as a height, Little short, huh? A little bit. Um, he was never. He was always kind of stocky. So, mm-hmm. oh, and then he was the, one of the guys that he lifted most weights in, in the dressing room. You know, like a, every day, every day, just Kawada wanted to put on just muscle. You know, yeah. And he, he, was, he was also one of the only wrestlers from this time that sort of brought in the the main i guess i could call it the mainstream t- style of the 90s with the uwf and new japan with the martial arts kicks and uh and the kicking strikes, pad leggers kick yeah. pads he, yeah. like, he looked like he could uh, wrestle on he UWF could, new japan or uwf yeah right that and made him very unique in the all japan setting in the 90s yeah because he was the only one doing it in that in that environment yeah it was very rebellious like a rebellious choice yeah and not necessarily, Baba didn't necessarily encourage it. It mm-hmm. was Kawada's choice to do so. And can you, can you imagine doing that style onto somebody like Stan Hansen? You start <laughs> kicking, you start kicking big guy, you know? I, and, I think uh, you told me that uh, Kawada was the one Stan Hansen really, really worked hard uh, coming up <laughs> in the 90s. Yeah, and, and no also, mercy on Kawada. You, see, you should see some of the videotapes that the, the way Stan Hansen give his clothesline lariat. <laughs> to, to Kawada, I was like, oh, you gonna, you know, amputate the guy or something, you know? <laughs> Maybe he had a concussion or a couple, who knows? Probably, Probably, yeah. yeah. But uh, Kawada was one of those guys, typical Japanese type that uh, you don't complain, mm. you know? Mm. Oh, he even stopped at the Gaijin dressing to just say thank you uh, after the match. Very classy. Oh, yeah. After very that, take, taking that clothesline, get up, you know, back to dressing room before he goes back to his own dressing room. Knock the you know Americans' door. Say, hey, yeah, uh, thank you very much. 
Mm, mm. Tough guy, huh? Yeah, and I think it went both ways because uh, fellows like Stan Hansen really did appreciate that sort of, um, you know, treatment. And, and evidently, a little bit later on, a couple of years later, there was a tag team of Stan Hansen and Kawada, if you remember. Mm, mm. Yeah, that was I, like a very interesting duo, you know? Because back then, all Japan fans mind that the Stan Hansen always working heel American side, but uh, secretly always loving stands you know what i'm saying mm, mm. yeah yeah love to hate mm, actually loving him or know? just yeah just love and, and running away from him and 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 having him a part of all japan he really was a big part of the early part oh. of all japan and even into the part we're talking about today in the 90s he the was split oh yeah he was always there for that he was the guard of the, he was the old guard he was that he was the only one that was yeah baby face could, on that yes mm -hmm. Is on every single tour and working his butt off every night, and he's a big bad American cowboy, you know? Yeah. And I feel like each of uh, the Steno team, they yeah. each had a very unique match with him. No, they, single match well, program. Rivalries. Each yeah. and every one of them, yes. And very they, different stories. I believe Stan Hansen believed it was his role to take on each and every one of them in single match program to elevate him. Yeah, and I think yeah. that, do you, I mean, is that what you think? Is that what was one of the key factors in really lifting these Oh, four? yeah, I think so. Yeah, the, the Stenno, Misawa, Kobashi, Kawada, Taue working against each other in single single match program, that's fine. Very Japanese style. But they were able to have important single match against people like Stan Hansen, Terry Gordy, Steve Williams, Danny Spivey, Johnny S, big Americans, mm. you know. So, uh, see, uh, in nine, by 90s, New Japan became more and more Japanese-oriented, huh? You know, three musketeers working against each other, and you throw Kensuke Sasaki and Hiroshi Hase in the back, and uh, Fujinami Choshu still not retired and active. And uh, the only Americans uh, were probably Vader and Scott Norton and Bigelow. That's it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was so, much more <clears throat> Japanese-centric. Yeah, yeah. And it was like... Jan Baba, very American style traditionally, but he believed that uh, American wrestlers are physically bigger, you know, and therefore it's like they're there to just, you know, they beat Japanese people, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, guys, the old, big, uh, big gaijins, yeah. old psychology, right? It was the, um, before before the more Japanese centric feud, you know, with Ricky Choshu and Tenru and, and, and later, within all Japan amongst the Japanese stars. Uh, that was, I guess it's still an old trope. It's still an old kind of um, thought going into Japanese, particularly Japanese pro wrestling is. Yeah, is, Stan Hansen, Stan Hansen put it uh, very, uh, he had a unique understanding that uh, if you, you know, only have Japanese against Japanese, it's like, it's almost like a, system in society that uh, just like the real world that you really have to work hard to become better you know that uh, big american on the other hand there's no logic these guys are big bad gaijins that you can't do anything about you mm. know that's why japanese wrestling needed big bad american gaijins that uh, physically you just can't beat them you know that a little bit later on when they brought in people like gary albright he really fit that in, in, in the picture. Terry Gordy. Ter of course, yeah. Yeah, well, Terry Gordy, uh, 
a little bit early because um, uh, he was brought in in early 80s after Terry Funk, you know, like another young, you know, Texas cowboy style and just like a, was treated like a young Stan Hansen type, you know. Mm. Then Steve Williams was brought in as a, as a tag team par- partner of Terry Gordy and just fit the mold. The Steve Williams is a little bit shorter, but that's see the size and his athletic background of amateur wrestling and football that the, that the Japanese wrestler can't do anything about. Mm. You know? And there's a typical single match, like if you remember uh, Kobashi against Steve Williams in Budokan. So mm. Oh my gosh, there's no language barrier there. You know, you just go in and then beat the crap out of each other or something. And very convincing wrestling match. You know? And both both men were over over the top charismatic. I mean, especially those two were just. I mean, talking Steve Williams. I mean, he. Yeah. What I remember about watching old all Japan videos of him was the crowds would be relatively quiet at points, and you always heard when Steve Williams wanted to say something, suplex or, somebody. Oh yeah, suplex some or, or, or anything. And I think. Um, it kind of echoed through the bigger arenas. And, and, and those were the old Japan style storyline. See, mm. Japanese re- wrestling, you don't have promo or backstage skit. All those t- 20 plus years Stan Hansen worked in, in old Japan ring, he never had to you know, do this long promo or storyline or a backstage skit. Little bit of mic, little bit, but uh, not much. No storyline. The matches are, and the line, the matchups are the storyline. Who's the next? Very simple. Who's the next challenger for the triple crown or something? Very sports like, yeah, sportsman yeah. style. So not these people necessarily hated each other, or there was no backstabbing or the storyline feud or anything like that. It's like who's gonna be the next challenger? Like a worthy opponent for somebody yeah mm. and if you if you rotate you have 20 different kinds single match yeah and every year just like today's g1 climax there was a champion carnival in spring that there's a round robin tournament you will have single match one against another and that's the japanese wrestling really NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And when you brought up this Steve Williams match, he's another perfect, you know, uh, opposite for somebody like Kobashi, Kenta Kobashi, because going back and revisiting some of those matches recently, what I noticed is I heard a lot of women 
cheering for Kent Kobashi. He was not only just a, a really popular, you know, pro wrestler, he had a classic look, he had a huge size, but I think it seemed like he was really popular with women as well. Yeah, emotions. Yeah, emotions. Like he, maybe he's the most emotional of these. Of yeah, four. I think so. Because uh, mm. Misawa and Kawada didn't really show much, you know? No. They just go in there and did it, right? Kawada could explode. Yeah. And yeah, show his Because uh, he's a no smaller teeth. and he takes it. Yeah, more underdog feeling. Yeah, yeah. But and Misawa was the a... Back, backstory that Misawa more of an elite. Mm. And uh, more... Kawada was more of an underdog that the, who worked so hard to go go up there. Yeah, Misawa was just perfect. He was complete. He didn't need a. He didn't get stressed out. That was the character. I think he wanted. Yeah, and to then also convey. he looked like uh, your star quarterback. You know. Right. Right. Yeah. But Kobashi had more. Mm, yeah, like interesting a, background because believe it or not, that he did not have any high school record on any sport. I mean, I mean, he had judo, he had karate, he was bodybuilder, but uh, that Mrs. Baba didn't even answer his, you know, the, the letter of resume for a couple of times. Really? Is that true? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like a, a lot of, you know, the resume and the profile, you know, like uh, your, your bio being sent to the office, right? Wanted to be a wrestler. And audition only... See, not like New Japan's once a year audition. All Japan Pro Wrestling didn't have this set date for that you know, annual audition for the rookies, you know, that the letter is being sent. And Mr. and Mrs. Baba look at it and say, oh, oh, let's meet this guy. Oh, let's not meet this guy, right? And for some reason that uh, Mrs. Baba, you know, pretty much ignored that uh, Kobashi's letter a couple of times. Wow. So she didn't find him uh, so impressive. He he had a kind of casual experience with athletics before. Yeah, everybody played some sport in high school, you sure. know, but not like a national level. Hmm. And uh, he kind of blue collar background that the, he right out of high school, he started working for factory kind of thing. Uh, that was a Kyocera company in Kyoto. And he, it's, uh, it's hard to put it, but uh, not to you know badmouth mrs baba but uh, i believe that the, the mrs baba did not like the uh, the the, miss, uh, the kobashi's home address oh he's from that area kind of thing well, he he wasn't from tokyo no kyoto oh he's from kyoto okay so uh, okay so there's yeah but okay. there's a the section of kyoto is like a rich area and not so rich area mm. and the suburban area or it's like uh, if you are from Kansai, you know, the, the Kyoto, Osaka area, by looking at the hometown where you're from, so you could almost tell that the, this person come from blue collar background or the rich or the, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's not very mm -hmm. good. I mean, it's not me. Okay. But, uh, but apparently, it's, it's normal. It's normal among yeah, it's especially like a, older it's like generations. A real home, yeah, like a home address. It's like, a, oh, he's Stereotype. from that. Yeah, he's from that area. Oh, he must be poor, right? Hmm. And uh, he evidently he started working for factory, you know, become factory worker, like a real blue color of people. And, uh, but the, he built his own, you know, bodybuilding little studio on the roof of the factory and, you know, keep working on it, you know, and just get big. And uh, yeah, he... Um, he didn't know why his, you know, that the bio failed. And he called the office a couple of times, telephone, you know, 
well, what was the problem that I did not make the audition, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, yeah, he's like, got, you know, he didn't know why he wasn't accepted or even at least to get the audition date, right? Because he's tall and he mm-hmm. sent a photo of his upper body. He's like, look, he's already in shape. And he wanted to become a professional wrestler, but the, the office did not answer. Well, there was his, 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 his bio was among 15 other guys, right? Mm. But uh, so he called the office, you know, what was the reason that uh, I did not get the, you know, the, the reply. And uh, he, he, he had to call a couple of times, you know, because he so made up his mind that they am going into old Japan and become wrestler, right? He was mm. already 20 or something. Then uh, he called a couple of times that uh, he was told that, but you have no, um, that, uh, how do I put it? Um, like, sufficient uh high school athletic record or, or mm-hmm. you played rugby yeah that's fine you know you were you have a little bit of judo background a little bit of a karate karate background but that's normal for any anybody who wanted to be a wrestler right mm-hmm. and uh but he did not know why that the, his bio wasn't answered you know but so he called the office then finally mr baba looked looked at the paper said, oh wow let's look at this guy and then uh he was brought into the small, real small spot show one day. You know, that's uh, Mrs. Baba's way too. See, if it's Korakuen Hall or something, that everybody will come in, right? Mm-hmm. Wanted to be auditioned. They appointed him to come into real small town spot show in the middle of nowhere. You know what I'm saying? Real test. Oh, real test, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, if he's serious enough. He'll take the train and the local line to take bus if you had to and come to the building that day, you know, in a weekday at that, you know. Those crowds are pretty different too. A Korakuen is maybe a little bit not easy. Oh, because but... it's also a very, you know, educated audience and mm. reading-oriented audience too, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's different. It's like working at the Korakuen is like being auditioned to, you know, in front of educated audience, you know. Mm. Yeah, it's different. But the, he had to go to this small town, no TV, middle of nowhere, small town spot show, just to have a little meeting with Mr. Baba. And uh, they were happy that he showed up, you know? Yeah, and then and, and had to do some, you know, Hindu squad, you know, 500 of those, you know, in, in front of Baba, etc. And then Baba said, when can you start? All right, right? Mm. Yeah. So that's like another very humble beginning, you know, story for a, a relatively unknown, unknown rookie, right? Mm-hmm. He was thin. I mean, he was tall, but like not as promising, you know. Oh, in his mind, yes, he was gonna, but uh, you know, he wasn't very glorified rookie. You know what I'm saying? He was pretty um, <clears throat> average looking. At uh, the beginning, yeah. At the beginning, also, he didn't yeah. have a haircut. He didn't have the orange trunks yet. Oh, no, none of that. None of that. None of that. And also, around the same time, they got Akira Taue, that uh, former semi-star sumo wrestler, to mm-hmm. start. So he, you know, Taue was going to be, always going to be above those rookies, you know. And yeah. the useless, yeah, useless trivia is, though, that uh, at the All Japan Dojo, 
there's a big, huge cardboard box with used trunks and the knee pads and, uh, you know, like a sweaty T-shirt or throw into the, this big cardboard box. You have to find little trunks that fit you. Oh, oh. you know they're not gonna buy you the you know the fancy trunks or knee pads or something and usually those leather ring boots or hand-me-down kind of thing yeah i i remember from, one yeah, yeah from we sem- did that in gym class yeah like gym yeah. class or on the yeah, soccer yeah, team it, yeah right it's an old t-shirt washed but still old you know but from last season oh of course of course mm. So the short little trunks, red or blue or something, and a knee pad, that worn knee pad, but washed, but it's still beat up. You know, you find the knee pad that fit you. You find your trunks that fit you. All right, I got the costume. And mm. usually some older wrestler will give you their, you know, used ring boots. Mm-hmm. But that's a real humble being. It's, it's almost like a, a part of pro wrestling dojo, you know, philosophy or something. So, uh, yeah. To make a long story short, that the the costume that the rookie wears, and I heard this story from Yoshinari Ogawa because he found he he had the collection of those, you know, hmm. and uh, yeah, Kobashi had to wear something. Yeah, oh, that useless trivia. The very first Marufuji trunks was all tiger mask trunks that the Misawa threw away. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what the yeah, green I mean, ones? Uh, that the there's the a little ones? he had the green one that the, the when Marufuji debuted, he was green little trunks, but underneath there was another trunks that the tiger mask put on it, you know, like a mm. black with yellow stitches. Okay, yeah, oh. he found that trunks and he wore it. That's good, useless <laughs> trivia, is not that's a good one. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's like a, somebody threw away your blue trunks or the you know yellow knee pad or something. Anything that fit you, you had to wear it. You know, you have to make it but, work, no matter how basic. Oh or... yeah, so it took Kobashi probably good three years to get to that uh, neon color orange trunks on his own. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was wearing red trunks and white boots. I don't know who gave it to him, but uh, yeah, it was like that. I think he lost like a 60 of his first matches. Right. That's like another that. hierarchy thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Until Jan Baba recognized something in you. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. after that, second year rookie that uh, Kobashi was put, uh, was put together with younger Johnny Ace to be the American Japanese tag team. Yeah. To, yeah. To win the Asian tag team title. The very first title you usually win. Yeah. 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 So that was Kobashi had to climb up the ladder. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of uh, Western fans sometimes interpret, you know, losing in the Japanese setting. I don't think it's as bad or as viewed as badly as, you know, if, if you like lose doing jobs, doing. Yeah. It's not like that. <laughs> no, it's I think, not like that. You when you're a rookie, you keep losing all year long. Yeah. And it's kind of how, how you lose or the way you lose that will garner sympathy. The best wrestlers also, like Kobashi what would you do, that. do during the match, that will, you know, make people look at you and actually start liking you. you know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he had the fire. I mean, natural. Very natural. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you mentioned Tawei. Tawei came in and he kind of had the um, the special treatment. He was, yeah, it's like a... Like Jumbo, kind of. Yeah, kind of. And also, he was tagged in part of Jumbo right away. Jumbo mm. again, and Jumbo Tsura and, and, and Akira Tawe, the real 
like a Tokyo Towers, right? Yeah. Yeah. He even kind of, if you take a quick glance, he kind of resembled the Baba or something, red tights. Very much, guy. very much so. And the big boot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a modern actually, version. Actually, I mean, nothing to take you know, you know, away from Tawe, but the Tawe come off like the laziest one, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, natural. Yeah, he's natural. He's, he doesn't seem as though he's rated the same way as high, right? As the other three. But when you have a working shoe on, that guy's big guy and he's actually a talented athlete. He just doesn't have the, I mean, he didn't look like he had that big drive, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not I, as dream, but that's a lot of sumo wrestlers are, you know? Yeah. And understanding his sumo background really that defines a lot of you know who he is and, and a lot of um you know other wrestlers throughout the years that if they were involved in sumo i think you really need to understand that to really fully understand what they're doing in the ring in yeah it's a, it's a different you know different expectations up- upbringings yeah you know we think yeah. about um kurt angle or brock lesnar Oh, not not like that it's, it's like not a, like that but we do have, have a different uh, ten, image yes he Akira Tawe himself had this close to 10-year experience in, in sumo from the early teenage years. Then he gave up sumo and then become pro wrestler as his job or something, right? His mm-hmm. next business. In the, but he had the size. He had the ability. He just didn't I mean, have the, the fire or something, you know. But he was equally talented, though. It's just different. I do remember I think, uh, he, yeah? he was sort of paired with the older generation at first in some yeah because ja- that's how giant baba would like to pair you know because he's already tall he got the size he's you know heavy and just have to learn how to work he can be put in a main event cluster yeah but it, it sort of also had him feeling like a little bit uh, distant from the other three it was different. yeah but the success of this steno is the formula was though all four guys are very different. That's why. Very much so. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. whereas um, three musketeer of New Japan, Muto, Hashimoto, Chono, you could tell they're friends. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, different dynamic uh, between. Yeah, different dynamic. Yeah. And the yeah. dojo mate, of course. You know, they started the same. You know, same day, audition the same day, and they pretty much debut the same week. That that that's that's fine. But. The, Stenno, Misawa, Kawada, Kobashi, Tawe, they didn't start together, you know, hmm. and they had the different treatment. They just happened to be together at the end and they became Stenno, you know, four different deities, right? And, yeah. And yeah, I, so it's different. I, uh, I also believe that what you said <clears throat> earlier about, we were talking about in all Japan, the, the, the promo was the match or the matches themselves right yeah they never have this you know like a clear storyline you know and when or we, the simple subtle you know yeah but it's not like what we saw with the three musketeers right with there was no heel turn there was no uh Naoya ogawa invader feud that was that's a different style it's more you know action and entertainment where these and matches more, more more antonio inoki of it of course know? of course yeah. more star centered yeah. more star yeah, I, I think so i think so uh, and uh, and I think that during the, this period in the '90s with these Shitenno, yeah. I think that it really it's m- more defined by each 
encounter they had with each other from tag team matches with each other or, or singles matches uh, against each other. They all tell each of those are the chapters of the full story. And that's the only way to really get it. And each guy had different paths. Yeah. Very different path. And yeah. a Kobashi and a Misawa match is very different from a Misawa and a Kawada match. And, oh, a Misawa Kawada match? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like a different, it's completely different emotion. Yeah. But if you put those two stories together, it tells a, a very kind of full story of yeah. the generation. Yeah. So and I think th- that's one of the throw Tawe in there, you know, throw Tawe in there. You have different chemistry too. Oh yeah, I remember an <laughs> earlier match between him and Kawada. They were it was very bloody. It, was, it wasn't what you'd expect. It was a, just a a mean brawl between. Yeah, uh, yeah. But those you know. see Kawada and Tawe as a tag team, you know that uh, they became friends later on. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, very different too. Yeah, they different dynamic, bit. but the different chemistry too. Yeah, very famous tag yeah, team what, matches. Yeah. Yeah, what's interesting was that uh, when Kawada and Misawa have a single match, that the Misawa almost worked like a heel, and uh, to- the-, the Kawada underdog become total babyface on it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then uh, Misawa against Kawada is like a senpai, kohai, Japanese philosophy, you know, older and a little bit more, you know, like a younger one, and uh, and. Uh, under the Kobashi is also another baby face, right? Mm-hmm. And the Kawada, I mean, uh, the, if you throw Taue in there, it's like, wow, it's like Taue is always so independent, distant from everybody else. And, and, and uh, it's so hard to read him, right? And uh, yeah, it's each and every single pair will be just different story, you know? Mm-hmm. Not clear baby face in here, but the people decide, depend on the match. Yeah. Yeah. And the time period too, you know, it's like the 1998 Misawa Kawada match had a very, it was very pro Kawada. Everybody was clear right, who they wanted to win. They probably had the 30 or 40 single match, you know, by then and Misawa beat them all, right? Mm-hmm. It took good 10 years for Kawada to finally beat Kawada, I mean, Misawa at the Tokyo Dome. Oh, wow. He finally beat Misawa clean in the middle of the ring, you know? And uh, it was like one win was so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and, wish uh, wrestling was designed like this now, you know? It, it, yeah. it requires a lot of patience, I think. Yeah, because people had to be watching the whole, you know, the just 10 years of story, you know, all together and just, I'm with you kind of thing. And I think uh, in Japan, it was a more literary market for wrestling too. So I think talking about it in the magazines every week really helped to build and build. And build I think the, so. In 90s, it's mm-hmm. before the internet era. You know, we have to add that Japanese wrestling fans were very wrestling, I mean, reading oriented. Not just weekly pro wrestling, Shukan Pro Wrestling, but there were weekly gong, mm-hmm. weekly fight, and the Tokyo sports, you know, sports paper tabloid that comes out every afternoon that, that you can read about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, that's all before the internet, huh? <laughs> you know? It was, the, but it was basically what is on the internet now. I mean, it was. Yeah, but uh, what's the difference? The... What's the difference? So it's like, I'm, of course, I'm so into print media and not so much into, uh, on, into the internet that much. But So I might be biased. But uh, print media, you know, the Tokyo sports, the Nikkan sports, the Sponichi, and weekly pro wrestling magazine, the weekly gang magazine, and weekly fight magazine, uh, they were all 
produced by professional writers. Whereas on the internet wrestling website, you can be a writer today with no experience. It's a very good point. It's a very, yeah, very different Yeah, because the fans can be writing it, whatever they want. There's a big you know? disparity between the, you know, <clears throat> talent levels. I think so. Because yeah, because... It's because of how it's been treated here in uh, in um, in the states. I mean, geez, I remember it, Hogan it, burned the Observer on a, a WCW uh, show. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, but the still hot, at that uh, Wrestling Observer has always been the best one. Yeah, because still, it, yeah, because it's treated that way. It's treated the way. That, and also, uh, you have to give Dave more credit that the week in week out for decades and decades that he that's. The only thing he's been doing, and then he's he's professional. The know? only uh, way I could really get information on what was happening in Japan from the tapes would be from the Observer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when the internet yeah. popped up, there were some you know newer sources, but it was always connected back to yeah. But the internet wrestling website, you can write up anything with no backup or whatever you feel like or you thought you watched the match and you felt a certain way you write it and it may not be all that accurate well there's I no mean, there's no know, oversight the there's no yeah. oversight there's no yeah, standard for for a print you know journalist to you know to be able to have your story actually printed there's like a lot of hurdles to you know to clear that, that you are, you have your editors to change your writing. There's uh, other people that the, they'll fix you or they change what you are writing or in being told what to write, what not to write. Uh, that the writing has to be very professional and proof, you know, read. And uh, it takes a lot to actually have your story printed in the magazine. I don't think many people understand the, you know, the full process. You know, if you write an article, it's just like newspaper and regular magazine. Yeah, back oh, yeah. Then. yeah. It's just, I think for the sites that you know we work for, like it's still the same process. And just because you know it says, uh, you know, this article is by Justin, that doesn't necessarily mean it's it's going to go through a lot of other hands, and it might be very different than what it looked like when it started. When it started, yeah. That's just that's the process. It needs to go out a certain way. It needs to uh, adhere to style and certain rules. And because uh, well, the language standard. and the wording and uh, yeah, the certain word you can't use or you know that the expressions you know you might you don't want to offend some people or this is a very discriminating word that you don't want to use in print. You know, there's a lot of things. You know. Well, the other big difference too is that there's this the advertisement money from websites that really forces. Uh, websites to it forces editorial to change what their plan is because to stay alive you need money to get yeah, that to, yeah. to, to get that money you need advertising fee and also and, you need a lot of people being read you know reading it exactly you know, and if they're not subscribing or yeah like how many times it's been hit you know so if it's not something that people are interested are interested in if you know, I'm not interested really in the in the trailer and the Jake Paul stuff, but people are very interested in it. And that's why people write about it, because that's what people are clicking on. So it becomes more about uh, what people are interested in. And, and uh, the websites kind of have to play, uh, you know, give and take and, and bend a little bit more as opposed the to. The doors are way always wide open for new writers. Or, that's true, too. Uh, any teenage, you know, wrestling fan to be writing something. There's no and roadmap. No roadmap. For print media, 
you really have to go through a lot to become a writer, really. Yes, yes. So I'm not saying what I did was great or anything like that, but I'm not that special. But But it was a different uh, time. It was a special time. I had to go through a lot, you know. Mm. But you were doing a lot. Being changed and fixed or, yeah. Oh, but I mean, it was also such a huge part of uh, the wrestling scene in Japan. It was the other arm, you know, when it wasn't on television. And television. Well, Japanese people are pretty much reading oriented in general. You know? Yeah, not as much a TV culture as like the United States. The United States is a TV right. culture. Um, Tokyo, people are moving around a lot. There was uh, watching wrestling on TV. Uh, it was less... You know, you watch it on New Year's, New Year's time when everybody's at home. But for the most part, you you know, you're just catching what you can and you need the newspaper or the magazines to catch up on all the details. Yeah, see, like not anymore, but uh, when you get on the the subway or train in Japan, uh, they were all reading some kind of newspapers, right? Mm -hmm. Until your smart smartphone era, you know? Yeah. Always the internet era then. Yeah, you always... So it's a little bit different. So the Shtenno wrestling may not work now, you know? I don't know. I, don't, I mean, yes. it's also because so many wrestlers are bouncing around. There's a lot of wrestlers that are just freelance now. They don't really belong to any uh, one company. And that's okay. Right, right. They have their own. Oh, yeah, got clearly then in 90s, yes, New Japan Pro Wrestling and Old Japan Pro Wrestling and UWF Family. Yeah. It was and, like WWF and, and, and WCW. Say it was and jo- like, yeah, and Joshi Pro Wrestling in, in a separate entity. Yeah, separate worlds. It felt like yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's very different. Oh, because it all went, you know, like almost like a melting pot after New Millennium and Dark Age of Wrestling came in because of MMA influence and all these things. It, but wrestling survived, you know. Wrestling survived. It was With very new- strange, though. To see yeah. people like Kawada change their character at that time. Uh, 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 then going to Hustle, hustle as a yeah. danger, Dangerous K. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. uh, that uh, Miss, after Baba passed, uh, Janet Baba passed away, and until Muto came in, and uh, there's a Mrs. Baba's version of All Japan Pro Wrestling, and uh, there was like a dark age, you know, and, and uh, they, they weren't able to you know, pay Kawada. So Kawada had to go somewhere freelance. He made it clear, though, what he did with Hustle is, is not really Toshiaki Kawada. I am Dangerous K doing the sport entertainment. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's the same yeah. person, but uh, with different costume and different setup. And uh, in his mind, he was doing something different. It's like <clears> if he went to film a movie and came back. And also, yeah, and also he didn't join Pro Wrestling Noah. So, uh, that was his choice, you know? Yeah. Well, there's an interesting story behind that, right? He wasn't, yeah. Uh, yeah. He wasn't really uh, invited, but he. No, was. it wasn't like, no, it's not like that, you know? And it's another very big misconception the in myth. America, American internet community that uh, Misawa and Kawada didn't get along or something. No, they were best friends, you know? It's like, when you hear a boyfriend and girlfriend, I'm not saying they're gay. No, it's not like that. But when the you know when boyfriend, girlfriend, or wife and husband you know break up or something, when you hear reason, um, the other third party go, is that it? Is that it? It's like a little thing, right? Mm. Yeah, but for little thing really matters sometimes. 
if Misawa told Kawada very first, you know, the, the Kawada had to be the first person to know about Misawa leaving the company. Miss, Kawada did not want to hear about it from other people. Does that make sense? It's like a, a massive, huge decision that Misawa apparently didn't share with Kawada. And there was, there wasn't a conversation, but there, it's just if, what it was. Yeah, if, if Kawada was the first person to know about Misawa's plan, you know, he would gone, I think. You I'm know? sure. Yeah. And uh, Misawa's plan wasn't like, you know, taking every single wrestler in every single you know, referee and ring announcer and office employee and all these things. Misawa was going to leave with just three or four guys. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And when he turned, turned around, every single wrestler all the way down to out to big, you know, middle-aged veterans like a Russia Kimura or, you know, Haruka Eigen or all these older guys. Like, I'm joining you, right? And the uh, uh, rookies too, Marufuji, Kenta. Yeah, yeah, all these, every uh, Kenta, every one of them, you know. But uh, Misawa's plan was to have just three or four guys, you know, to start his own company from scratch. But he had Nippon TV, Channel 4's blessing, you know, that uh, if you do, we'll come with you, kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. So he had the... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, network television deal, you know, but uh, besides that, that uh, Misawa wasn't going to leave all Japan with every single wrestler. It just so happened because he's a leader, you know, good leader. I he mean, didn't Lockham, instigate anything. He wasn't, uh, it wasn't. No, uh, no, it's like mutiny. it's so misunderstood in, especially in America, mm. that uh, it was his revolution to take every single wrestler out of all Japan pro wrestling. And, you know, like almost vanish, you know, and then uh, it's just like all Japan had to go out of business or something like that. But uh, you have to understand that uh, it's not like Misawa and Mrs. Baba was like enemies. They're more like a son and mother. Seriously. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a Shakespeare thing that uh, you love and hate, right? Misawa coming from single parent family, you know, and uh, right out of high school, he joined all Japan pro wrestling. Mr. and Mrs. Baba became their mom and dad. You have to understand that. Mm. And next 19 years, they, Misawa, for Misawa, that Mrs., Mr. and Mrs. Baba were, were really like his parents, really. And the dynamic changes that uh, when King died, that uh, we, they all realized that uh, they didn't really love the queen. Mm. The kingdom was safe because there was king and queen. You know what I'm saying? Mm. When King died, a lot of things can change. And Mrs. Baba wanted to have all Japan company, like everything status quo, and wanted to assign you know, Mitsuo Momota or somebody as a company president. And it, if it wasn't for that, that, that circumstance, Jumbo Tsura should have been the president, right? Right. But, but he was out of the he picture. He was leaving. No, he went back to school to mm-hmm. be a professor. And that's what he wanted to do. But the Jumbo Tsura was the kind of person that the, he would leave wrestling and never look back. You know what I'm saying? Mm. <clears throat> and he, he, that's what, what he did, exactly. He went back to school, got his master, started teaching in college, then went to Portland, Oregon to, be, to become a professor. 
and he wasn't gonna come back to wrestling. And he, Miss uh, Jumbo Tura told Mrs. Baba that uh, Misawa should be the president. Therefore, reluctantly, that Mrs. Baba, that uh, you know, made Misawa a president. But uh, president's fine, but uh, Mrs. Baba would, would be in power too, right? Mm. Yeah, so it's like the kingdom, this, the, the structure has changed, really. Everything and, changed. And Stan Hansen was ready to retire for real, you know? And he stayed with Mrs. Baba. Yeah, very loyal. Yeah, so. very loyal. Yeah. Well, because he wasn't going to, you know, go to Misawa's new company to, you know, continue with his career. When Jam, you know, when Baba died, Jumbo retired in the following year. Unfortunately, Jumbo passed away and just that was the time Stan Hansen really felt that it was time for him to hang the cowboy hat, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah. So he wasn't going to go to Misawa's new company. It's a whole new generation, whole new wrestling. And it's the year 2000 that the, everything was perfect, that, hey, Stan Hansen was ready to, you know, retire. It's just very symbolic. Yeah. yeah. Like a perfect so career. Are, yeah, so it's not like somebody hated somebody, you know, or... Some, the power play or, you know, Misawa and Kawada never got along or, you know, Mrs. Baba and Misawa hated each other. It's not as simple as that, you know. It was like a the seasons people, changing, you know. Yeah, it's, so I usually use that as like a, use Shakespeare <laughs> deal that uh, there is a disagreement among family, you know. Mm. Yeah, it's not like stranger, two strangers hated each other. You know, they were tight. They're family, you know. Unlike New Japan Pro Wrestling, Inoki's kingdom, but uh, it was so big that it was like a more like a corporate structure, huh? Mm. And some some of the like people like Vader, you know, or other American thought there are too many bosses, right? I don't know who to talk to. For Baba's kingdom, the, if you are able to speak to Mister or Missus Baba, it's done deal, you know, and. Uh, if King King passed away and the Jumbo left and the Miss you know uh, Mrs. Baba wasn't going to have the company for a long time. She wanted to retire too. You know, if if Giant Baba isn't there anymore, there's no reason for Mrs. Baba to, you know, continue his wrestling business. Really. They're rich, you know, and all ready to retire. And uh yeah, a lot of things. It's so complicated though, you know. It's a there's a book in the English in language coming out soon, that really? uh, yeah about this two thousand big split, yeah, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah. The Australian journalist is writing it. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I wrote a foreword on that you know, of the book. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and uh, it's like Western understanding and English you know language written. This whole saga of it is very important. You know. Yeah, Japanese, yeah, Western understanding and a different value. You just have to, you know, you really have to read this, you know, into, yeah, different perspective, I think. Yeah. It really, uh, it's almost, you know, in danger of being forgotten. And even though it's not too long ago, it's, it's easy to see it when uh, there's a new generation. Of, yeah, but it's already, it's, it's already been 20, 20 years. That's then, right. then there's a, Keiji Muto's, you know, vision of all Japan pro wrestling, you know, it took over as of 2002. 
then there was like they looked like a two sets of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, very yeah. much so. Yeah. And by then, Ricky Choshu, the following year, left New Japan to form very ill-fated Double J World Japan Pro Wrestling. And by by year 2000, Shinya Hashimoto left New Japan to form Zero One, right? And it's like a New Japan went in like a three or four different way. All New Japan looking, you know? It was very splintered. Yeah, that was my millennium memory, you know? <laughs> we'll have yeah. to do another uh, Dark Ages episode, more specific eras. Oh, God, about, it's like know. a year 2006, 2007. I was scared that the wrestling oh, wow. was going to out, of, I mean, out completely. Oh, my gosh, you know? Yeah. Very different from the times we were talking about today, for sure. Yeah, but Amazing. the 90s, very happy time and harmonized that the Stenno, it's a really core that the very rich... Um, Misawa, Kawada, Kobashi, Taue, those four Shitennos doing their best matches in the ring. You know? the, the best they, of all Japan. Yeah, I think so. And then also, believe it or not, uh, that uh, those four superstar wrestlers had no roles in office then. See, when you have a wrestling company, see, the superstars are usually office too, right? Or, sure, yeah. Yeah, uh, or the stockholder or the board meeting, you know, like uh, board members or some influence in, in, in the office too. Like Cowboy Bill Watts, for example. Yeah, or, or the Vern Gagne or Vern anybody. Gagne, yeah. or the Von Erics, you hmm. know, Tennessee, Jerry Lauder, Bill Dundee, or Florida, Georgia. Yeah, all these were like run by wrestlers. Hmm. But when Jan Baba was around, he was a king of that company and and there was Jumbo, there were Tenru, but the, those 90s era, Misawa, Kawada, Kobashi, Taue, four superstars, they never had any office uh, that uh, obligation. Just being athletes. Just wrestlers. Uh, it's not interesting. It definitely that, turned that's them why into, they had uh, the best product in there. Seemed that way, yeah. There was no uh, distraction. They were focused on being wrestlers. Telling the story, almost you know, oppressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because your your opinion won't be heard. You know, you have to yeah, bring it to Jan Baba straight. You know, and then Jan Baba always had the separate private dressing room. You know? Only just a few guys: Stan Hansen, Terry Gordy, Johnny, Jumbo, Misawa, can go in and talk for a few minutes. You know, and then somebody like Johnny Ace going to Jan Baba's dressing, you know, private dressing room for five minutes and come back and come back to American dressing room and stand so look at it. What was that about? <laughs> you know, <laughs> they ask it, what was that about? Right? Very unique. Yeah, and then also that uh, another thing that the Stan Hansen didn't tell too many people about was that uh, he actually understood Japanese language a whole lot more than he let it out, you know. Mm. Yeah, he he understood a whole lot more than he can say, actually. But he had he a good poker face. Oh, he didn't tell anybody about it for a long time. Yeah, but working in Japan for what, the, close to 30 years, including mm. New Japan time with Inoki, he came to Japan, what, the 300 times, right? <laughs> And yeah, this was before it, the internet. This was uh, nothing. It, Tokyo is different now. I mean, everything is in English. You can, you can, all the signs, all the, a lot of people can speak basic English, but in seventies and eighties, nineties, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't like it is now for sure. And also by 
you know, traveling what so many years, so many times, and basically spending your 20 to 25 weeks out of year in Japan for 25 year period, you understand、mm. the language, of course. You have to. Yeah. And his wife is Japanese too.、Mm. Yeah. So actually, Stan didn't speak because his only regret in official interview is that, that he always said the only regret was that he didn't really learn Japanese. Meaning that he didn't go to school to learn it, but he understood a hell of a lot more than he could, I mean, he would let out.、Mm. Yeah. So, like, almost like a, that, because he comes from very kayfabe era of professional wrestling, right?、Mm-hmm. So, it's, interesting. Actually, yeah, he, he understands Japanese language, though. Oh, 100%. I think if he's working there that much and he has a, Wife that's Japanese, there's no doubt that there's just no、and、other way to live. Stan, oh, he had lived in Kawasaki for a while, too. Yeah, he you need it. <laughs> and also, think about single, very long, complicated 30 minute single match against Misawa, very compli- complicated high spot with Kobashi or Kawada. He must have understood Japanese, you know, must have. So,、mm-hmm. he, he was kind of an important part in the Shitenno. Kind、yeah, very much so. And, and also, and leaving. just like Stan Hansen told me that the, it's like working Japanese, Japanese top four working against each other, it's just like part of the real society, right?、Mm. And you will need mix with big, giant, monster American that you, you, you cannot do anything about physically. The American big guys are there to be monster, no logic. That、mm-hmm. makes sense though. Stan Hansen was just that. Vader was just that a little bit later on. Yeah. And Gary Albright, a little bit. Stan,、uh, Steve Williams, of course. You cannot manhandle Steve Williams, you know? No way. You just have to work very hard to have a very convincing wrestling match. And he's such an athlete that at, at, doesn't matter how brutal the matches were, S- Steve Williams will get up and shake your hands. You know what I'm saying?、Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why a lot of people loved him too, you know? Such an athlete. No interviews, no promo, just solid wrestling match. All、yeah. in the ring. Stories in the, the ring. ring. Oh, yes. Well, that, I think I think that, that has a, yeah, like a better understanding of big picture Japanese wrestling, huh? Yeah, I, and I think that was, this was a good primer on that era. Yeah. That, I mean, who we covered today, Shiteno, four. Yeah, and- we didn't go into who won the title, you know,、uh, who won, the, who beat who for the Triple Crown and what year and what day, what building. We didn't cover that at all. But、no. uh, big was- picture, big、yes. picture thing, we understand. Yeah, we'll go into detail in the future on, on each of these guys for sure. Who and, beat、uh, who? I can't remember because there's so many of them, you know, well, I- title, title I- switch, all that. I think that if somebody out there is listening and they're not as familiar and they want to get familiar, I would watch the tag team matches between these four from the 94, 95, 96, maybe. Yeah, they, they rotate. You know, they rotate too. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes Kawada and Misawa as a tag, tag team,、mm-hmm. sometimes、uh, Misawa and Kobashi as a team, and sometimes Misawa and Jun Akiyama as a team. And、uh, they, they rotate and they meant different things, you know? Yeah. 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 So very thick, huh? 
it's dense. You have to write all of this down, please, everyone. <laughs> write that down, especially if you can know. So, but if you have questions, uh, how can we reach you on online for me? Uh, on Twitter, Fumihiko Dayo, F-U-M-I-H-I-K-O-D-A-Y-O, Fumihiko Dayo, or just Fumi Saito on Facebook. And when, when you send me, uh, the, the, send me a message on Messenger, I'll answer you. Mm. And I mean, sometimes they try to, you know, they got, sometimes people just try, you know, like a fr friend click, click, and I can't answer every single one of them. Mm. So I would like to have message so we can be friends. Yes, please send a message. And on Twitter, I'm Justin M. Nipper, at Justin M. Nipper, K-N-I-P-P-E-R. That's it. This is uh, Shitenno. I guess we can Shitenno. say four pillars. It's established, as we said, but Shitenno is is the, the more common term. So please, everyone, write that down. And Fumi, take it away. So long from Tokyo. Thank you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.